Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Well, Luke chapter 5, open that up, and we're going to be reading from verse 1 this morning. And this is what it says. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were wasting, uh, were, were washing their nest, were watch, wasting their nets, nest, washing their nets. Amen. Here we go. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, the owner, to push it out into the water. So we sat in the boat, that's Jesus, and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deep. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Another version says that he bowed low to Jesus before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, to be fishing for people. Verse 11, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. How about I pray? Thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the commitment, the decision that these amazing people have made. And we thank you, Lord, for everybody that is here, whether on the room, in the room or online. And we just pray, Lord, that, that my words, Lord, would not be my own, but they'll be yours. That we hear straight from heaven this morning. We desperately, desperately, desperately need a touch from you today. We thank you. We love you. And we glorify you. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. The problem that many of us will face with God, whether you're in it at the moment, you've had it before, or it's going to be something that comes up one day, is that we all want to be in control. Who's like that? You just want to be in control. I don't know about you, but if I think that I'm right, I'm going to show that I'm right. I'm going to make sure that I am doing whatever we're doing and that nobody else kind of gets in the way of me me being able to do what I need to do because I want to be in control. And I think for many of us, that is something that is part of our, not just our daily lives, but also our relationship with God. At some level or another, we want to hold the ability to be the deciding force in our own lives. We don't want somebody else telling us what to do. I'm sure you don't want the government like kind of controlling every single part of your life. You don't want me kind of deciding for you what you can and can't do. You don't even probably want your spouse telling you what you can or can't do. Because the reality is that when it comes to our lives here on earth and also a relationship with God, there's so many of us just want to have control all of the time. 
This week, myself and Sophie, we went to the bank to uh, sort out a couple of our, uh, our cards, debit cards, and uh, sort out a couple of bank accounts too. And so we went, walked in there and went to the teller. And I started to ask questions and kind of figure out how to do this. And I had a good idea of where I was going and trying to figure out this whole situation. And then Sophie to the, to the right of me said something to the lines of Zion, I know what to do. You don't have to ask the, ask the questions. Just let me take over. And who knows, it is a loving, caring, responsible, just good all around sort of guy that I did not let her take control. I decided, no, I'm the man. I'm the one that's, she wears pants often, but I wear pants too. And I'm going to figure out how to sort out our bank accounts. Sophie knew what was the best way to do it, but I still wanted to do things my own way. Now on the flip side of that, who knows that the person driving the car is meant to be the person that's driving the car. All the husbands that have wives that uh, give them directions say amen. <laughs> the fact that you said amen is kind of like, oh, good luck for you, you know? Uh, you know, all the other men were like, no, there's no way I'm agreeing with that, you know? I love directions. No. Um, now, when Jesus came on board this fishing boat, Simon Peter, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't some new guy on the block. He wasn't some kid that kind of just rocked up out of nowhere and happened to own this boat. No, this was a man. This was, this was somebody who had experience. He had time. He had the skill and the ability to be able to fish because he'd been doing it for a long time. And along comes Jesus, this rabbi, who, who decides that it'd be a good idea to tell the fisherman with all the experience and ability what to do in that moment. Now, I don't know about you, but if I ever come across a man who knows what they're doing, if I ever come across a man who kind of has, has some experience and ability in what they're doing, especially when it comes to sort of like uh, perceived manly things like fishing, I am not going to tell them what to do. I'm going to sit back and allow them to do it. I remember a little while ago, myself and Sophie, we, uh, we, were, we uh, were up north and we were with Pastor Ralph and Amory, and uh, he took, took, took us out fishing. And uh, Ralph, he had a lot of experience in doing what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He had all the gear. He, he knew where the right spot was to go that time. And, he, and also he knew the perfect time of day to go in order to get the best catch. Now, would I ever tell Ralph what to do when he had all of that knowledge? No, I would not. Thank you very much. I just sat back and enjoyed and let Ralph do what he did best. But like I said, when Jesus stepped into the boat, he shared his message with the crowd. I mean, Jesus just kind of walked on, the Bible says. He just walked on. He wasn't invited on. He just walked on. He walked onto the boat, shared his message with the crowd for the day, and then put to the test how much control Simon Peter would be willing to give up. Simon Peter does what he is told, and then amazingly, he drops to the feet of Jesus when he sees the miracle. He isn't just surrendered outwardly. He is so willing to surrender his life completely to Jesus that as verse 11 says, he says, as soon as they landed back to shore, he left everything and followed Jesus. That's the sort of surrender that he had. It wasn't just something that he did in a moment. It wasn't just something that was an outward expression. He had had an experience that not only just changed what he did, but it changed his heart. 
And when it changed his heart, not only did it change something in the moment, but it changed the future trajectory. I got that word awesome, almost right. He changed the future trajectory of his life for all the days to come. And how often do we, if you've got to be honest this morning, how often do we want to hold on to control? When it comes to God, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, how often do you just say, God, I, I love you. God, I, I'll, I'll do some things for you. God, I'll go part of the way for you, but, but I'll only go so far. And it's amazing these baptisms this morning, that's a, like, like Sophie said, it's a public, public statement that I am going all the way and I'm leaving everything behind in order to follow Jesus completely. In our own efforts to appear to have everything together, we increase our reliance on our own efforts and we decrease our need for Jesus. We try and do it our own way. We try and make a way for ourselves. We try and use our own intellect. It's not a bad thing, our intellect, our gifts, everything like that. It's a gift from God. So I'm not trying to downplay that. But what I am saying is that when it compared to surrendering to Jesus, it does not compare. And the issue is that we have, when we, when we give our lives to Jesus, we think our Christian walk can be compatible with holding on to control of our lives. But it's not compatible. When we give our lives to Jesus, we are saying, I surrender everything over to you. Jesus makes this very clear for us in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25. It says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And my prayer for you today isn't for you, to just, for you to just surrender your life, but for you to find your life. When you give yourself wholly to Jesus, you find a life that you never experienced before. Amen. I mean, if you know this this morning, I mean, I know for myself, when I gave my life fully to Jesus, I experienced a life that I never knew that I could have. And it's not something that's theory or, you know, just, oh, that's nice and bubble, you know, it's like, oh, that's, that's really nice and eerie theory. There is a deep hope that resides in every believer because we know that the, that the end of our days is not the end at all. Amen. This morning, I'm talking about the kingdom principle of surrender. The moment like Moses at the burning bush, God showed up in a moment and Moses decided to surrender his life, to, to get down on his knees. And it changed not only his heart, but not only in that moment, but the future that he was about to live. When Abraham is met by God through the three visitors in, in, in the word, it, it says that Abraham stooped down low and it changed the rest of his days. Ezekiel, he falling face down before God in desperation, like when Solomon dedicated the Lord's temple in 2 Chronicles 6 and, 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 he, and he bent his knee, he surrendered. He got on his knees and says, Lord, I surrender this all to you, this great, amazing, wonderful, expensive gold and, and silver and bronze, this amazing a temple. I, I dedicate this to you, but not only do I dedicate a temple to you, but I dedicate my heart at the same time. Like when Saul had an encounter with Jesus in the book of Acts and Jesus showed up and in that moment, Saul's life was changed forever. And it says that he was on his knees in surrender and he made a decision that he was gonna follow Jesus. 
and live out his life in dedication to him for the rest of his days. And there are moments of complete surrender that can change the course of your life. I don't know if you know this, but there are decisions that we can make that can change everything for us. Everything for us. But the truth is that everyone eventually surrenders to something or someone. If you're not gonna surrender to God, you'll surrender to the opinions or expectations of others. If you're not gonna surrender to God, you're most likely gonna surrender to something else like money and money's gonna be the thing that you live your life for. If not that, then it might be resentment that you have for other people. If you're not gonna surrender to God, you probably surrender to the feelings that come with resentment or maybe it's the fear of the future or maybe it's the disappointments of the past. But every single person in this room, if you're not completely surrendered to God, you're gonna be completely surrendered to something else. Maybe it's something like pride. Maybe it's something like your lust. Maybe it's something like your ego. Whatever it is, there is something that you're surrendering yourself to because you were designed to worship God. God, and if you're wondering why, what, what am I missing in my life? Let me tell you, the thing that you're missing is a personal relationship with Jesus because we're not meant to, we're not designed to live out of our own accord. We're designed to worship and to live for something greater than just ourselves. And if we fail to worship him, we create other things in our lives that we give our focus, attention, time, and surrender to instead. And you're free to choose what you surrender to, but you're not free from the consequence of your choice. There are consequences to, to, to surrendering to God, but there are consequences to sur surrendering to absolutely everything else. And what I wanna ask you this morning is a couple of questions firstly. When was the last time you surrendered completely to God? If you're, if you're you know, here for the first time, you're just visiting, you're just here to support somebody and you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, I completely understand. I'm talking to the, the house this morning. I'm talking to the church. But for you this morning, if you know Jesus, when was the last time you completely surrendered yourself to him? And I wanna follow that up this morning by asking a second question. When was the last time your surrender brought you to your knees, that it wasn't just something that was just a great in a moment, that it wasn't just something that was a good feeling. It wasn't just something like, you know, Cody or Rachel sing so well, or there's a guitar solo or a drum, you know, a drum thing. I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Solo. Uh, is that the word? Wow, I knew that word. But it's not, it's not just an awesome, wow, that's fantastic to get kind of the emotions going, but it's a deep inward need to make Jesus everything in our lives. And when was the point, when was the last time your surrender was so overwhelming? You couldn't contain it. It was just like, it, it's like a weight on your shoulders, just the majesty, the greatness of God, just, just the, the understanding of how good He is and what He's done for us. When was the last time that that brought you to your knees? A lot of the time we usually talk, and rightly so, about needing to take a stand for Jesus. That, was, that is, of course, true. The Bible describes in Ephesians 6.13 how we're called to put on the full armor of God and to take a stand to withstand the, and resist the attacks of the enemy. And that is, that is true. But I want you to know this morning is if you've been trying to take a stand in the world for Jesus, if you've been trying to live for Him, maybe, you, maybe you've been kind of, kind of stirring yourself up to have that conversation with somebody about Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to live right, 
but it's just so hard. Maybe you're in a culture, a work culture, a school culture, university culture, where you're trying to live for Jesus, but everybody is saying to go the other way. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're trying to live for Jesus and take, take a stand for him, but maybe your spouse is maybe going in another direction at the moment. I don't know what it is, but wherever you are this morning, I want you to know that it's time to get on your knees before him again. It's time to get on your knees before him again. To put it another way, before attempting to take a stand in our world, why not take a moment to first surrender completely to Jesus? Instead of trying to do it in your own strength, instead of entering this fight in your own ability or, or your own enthusiasm week by week, instead of overestimating what you can do on your own, why not make a decision to surrender all to Him? And when Daniel in the Bible was about to be arrested, and you can look this up in the Old Testament of the Bible, he's about to be arrested because a law is passed, which meant that for 30 days, you're only meant to, you're only allowed to worship the king. And so for these days, you weren't able to pray to your own God, you were only able to pray to King Darius. And when Daniel hears that that law has been passed, he doesn't do probably what a lot of us would do and complain on social media. I know I'm probably a bit guilty of that, so for, sorry for anybody that follows me. Uh, I'm just opinionated, amen. Uh, but he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't try and talk to people or, you know, trying to prove why it's a travesty or, you know, you do that, of course, you know, if it's within your means. But what he does is something significant, something incredible and something for us where I think we can be inspired by too. The Bible says that in Daniel 6, 10 and 11, he went straight home and knelt down in front of his window to give God praise and to ask for help. Essentially saying that, hey, whatever happens, whatever I'm told to do or not do, I am going to live a life of surrender. And whether it's at the top of the mountain or at the bottom of the valley, I always have a decision. I always have an opportunity to get on my knees. James chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honour. I think sometimes if we want to be lifted up, all that we need to do is stoop down low to the feet of our Saviour. There's an old story about uh, this class that was taken on a tour of, of John Wesley's residence and 1940, a group of Americans traveled over to, to England and went to John Wesley. And John Wesley was a man who led a great revival in Britain in the 1700s. Beside the bed of this residence was of, of, of John Wesley's room were two worn impressions where it was said that John Wesley knelt down for hours at a time to pray for revival in England, for, to pray for people to be saved and to come to know Jesus. And as the students were getting back onto the bus after this tour, the teacher noticed that one of them was missing. And going back upstairs, he found one of the students that was knelt in the carpet in the knee holes with his face down on the bed, praying, 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 praying. God, oh Lord, do it again. Do it again. So the teacher came and placed a hand on his shoulder and says, come on, Billy. It's time to go, we're leaving now. And that man, that boy who knelt down at the feet of, uh, where John Wesley had knelt for many, many, many hours over many, many days and years, 
That man was Billy Graham, who apparently uh, was apparently in the story. And, and he, Billy Graham, I don't know if you know him, but he went on to be somebody, a great man of God who led over three million people to Jesus across crusades and meetings all across the world. But it didn't start on a platform. It didn't start on this great moment. It didn't start with the microphone. It didn't start with a great level of influence. It didn't start with many people coming forward. It didn't start with him having a voice. It started with him getting on his knees. And if you want your voice back, I think we just need to get on our knees a bit more. If we want to have a bit more confidence, I think we need to have a bit more humility. If we want to stand before giants, I think we need to stand or kneel before our Savior. If we want to stand tall, I think we need to surrender and stoop down low. I think it's time for the church to understand the significance of surrender and to get back down on its knees. I want to tell you that the church, that this world needs isn't a church that's just got good intentions. It's not just the church that's got the right things to say. The world needs a church that's completely surrendered. This world needs a, a people that are willing to give everything for their Savior and to say, it is not mine, but it is yours. It is not my own, but I long to follow you. Dwight Al Moody once said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. You just put your life in his hands and say, God, I'm not much, but I'm willing to be something in your hands and just see what he can do with a life that is willing and able, willing to live for him. So what happens when we surrender? When we surrender, number one, we choose his ways over my desires. This is what happens when we surrender. When we surrender, we're saying, your ways are more important than my desires. Surrender is waving the white flag. It's saying, I'm done. I'm not gonna try and do this on my own. I'm not trying to fight in my own ability. I'm going to surrender to you and fight under your authority. Surrender is, surrendering is laying down of things how they used to be. Yes, we used to do it that way. Yes, I used to think like that. Yes, I used to have those intentions. Whatever it may be in your past, surrendering is saying, I give that all to you. Surrendering is the decision to put what I want second before what I, to put what I want second before where you are calling me to go. And if there is a phrase that sums up this, it's Isaiah 55. Verse 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. This is the Lord speaking. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are greater than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He understands, He knows, but He's the God of everything. And he knows the way when we don't know it for ourselves. I'm not going to let my desires tell me what is the right way. I'm not going to decide for myself which is the way to go. I'm going to allow God to be the one that decides where I'm going and how I walk in it. Isaiah 55 verse 20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. 
You know, part of surrendering is, is allowing the Holy Spirit to come and just to remind you, to give impressions to you, to convict you of some of the ways that maybe you call good, but God says, no, that's not good. That's actually evil. Yeah, it may be good, but is it, is it me? Is it, is it God? And we say, I'm not going to live the way that I want to live. I'm going to live the way that you have called me to. I'm not going to live for my desires, for my needs, for, for the things that I want to do in life. I'm going to live my life following your direction. I wonder when you first got saved, maybe you were so passionate for Jesus, ready to surrender it all, that you gave some things up, that you moved some things away, but over time, things have just seeped back in. Maybe it's the way that you think. Maybe it's the way you talk. Maybe it's the way you act. But I know that over time, if we're not intentional, we can allow the things of the past to come creeping back into our present. And it's so important because in Matthew 15, verse 8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it's not just about what we do, but it's actually the heart that we do it in. It's not just surrendering, outwardly, but not having a heart of surrender. I've spoken about this a few times lately, but if we can't allow Him to be the Lord of all, then really He is not Lord at all. The last time I spoke, I, I spoke about different rooms that we have in our life. And that we need to make a decision as, as, as the times go on, allow the Holy Spirit to come into a, a, a new room in our life. And He comes in, cleans it up, works on us slowly, brings people around us, speaks to us, guides us to make good decisions. And then when that's done, we're like, oh, great, awesome. And the Holy Spirit puts another, oh, here's another room I want you to open up and allow me more and more and more in your house, in our house. Don't pay the price for thinking that you can do a better job at being God. He knows what He's doing. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Not in your own ways. In all your ways, submit to Him. We don't like that word submit. (laughs) And He will make your path straight. You want your path straight? Submit to Him. If things are all over the place, going this way and that way, if you feel like your life is going up, down, all around, the answer is to submit and surrender to God. Number two, when we surrender, we choose His perspective over my distress. It's amazing how significant things appear in one way but then with a new perspective seem incredibly insignificant. I remember when myself and Sophie were uh, in the end of 2019, before COVID hit, we had a little bit of time over in Japan with uh, Sophie's family. And then we, on the way back, we went through Vietnam. And I remember that first night that we were in Vietnam and uh, we went into this hotel and, and, uh, and we went up to the top and there was, this ho- uh, there was this pool at the top of this hotel and it wasn't really a tall one, it was just a kind of short one. And uh, Sophie and her brother were in the pool and I was just sitting there by the side of it. And I was just looking around at all these buildings. I was just like, oh my goodness, these things are just massive. 
I mean, you know, the plaza's big people, but I mean, it's not that big, you know. Good old FMG, you know, trying to, yes, we are a significant city. Amen. That's not, that's not sarcasm. Um, but then you go to a place like Vietnam and in Japan, you're just like, wow, these buildings are big. And I remember just sitting um, beside that pool and just looking around and all these, all these buildings were like, hello, you know, just like, hello, you're not that big. I was like, wow, that's incredible because, you know, being in a big city like that is just amazing when you spend time in New Zealand. And, uh, and then so after that, we got into a plane a little while later and we're just flying out. I remember looking at the city and all these buildings and they just looked so small in the expanse of the landscape. And I looked at these buildings, like, these things are tiny when you compare it to the whole land that it lies on. And it may be for yourself that you are in the middle of something that just seems so big and overwhelming and you're in the middle of it. But let me tell you that, that God desires for you to gain a higher perspective. Not to stoop just in the trials of life, but to be able to join with Him and come under His wing as He lifts you up and allows you to see things the way that He sees them too. Psalm 91 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. In verse 4, He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. We need a higher perspective. In Numbers 13, it tells the story of Caleb and Joshua and they went into the land of Canaan, the promised land, and they went with 10 other spies and they were sent there to, to get a good idea of the lay of the land. And when they came back after this time, some of them were saying, or the 10, 10 of them were saying, wow, it's just so big. The people are giants. The city are enormous. The land is fertile, but there is no way that we can do this. And Caleb said, we should attack now and take the land. We are strong enough to conquer it. But listen to what the other said, the other 10. Numbers 13, 33, if you want to look it up afterwards, it says, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. The perspective of themselves where we are so small and insignificant and so, of course, they see us as insignificant too. Let me tell you, you don't just need a, a new perspective on the things of life. You need a new perspective of who you are. Because if you do, the way you define yourself is the way that you will be perceived. If you walk into a room and, and think to yourself, wow, I am so, I'm so insecure. I, 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 nobody likes me. Uh, you know, this place is too big. I feel so alone. Uh, you know, nobody here is going to want to talk to me. Guess how you're going to act. You're going to walk in timid. You're going to walk in afraid. You're going to walk in fearful. You're going to try and get around people because you're living out of the identity that you perceive to carry. And that's how other people perceive you too. Oh, well, that person. Oh, geez. Let's not look at ourselves as grasshoppers. We are children of God. Someone once said, if we were to just simply surrender, a thousand of our problems would disappear. Just simply surrender. Number three, when we surrender, we choose His might over my doubt. His might over my doubt. God can do it even when we think we can't. He's working things 
for good for those that love Him. You know, the same Peter that was talking about at the beginning of our message was the, the one in the boat and was annoyed at Jesus for telling him to put the nets back in the water. The, the same one who, who looked at Jesus and said, why, why are you telling me to do this, Jesus? This is the same Peter that wrote in 1 Peter 5, 6-7, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, a mighty power of God. And at the, next, in the right time, He will lift you up in honour. Give all your worries and your cares to God. But He cares about you. We need to give Him our doubts. We need to give Him our fear. We need to give Him everything that holds us back because He is mighty and He is powerful. And when we kneel, when we stand and surrender, what we're saying is I choose your might over my doubt. Doubts are real. Doubts over our own ability. Doubts over our own resilience. Doubts over our own future. Doubts over whether God can use someone like me. But when I am weak, He is he is strong. Number four, when we surrender, we choose His glory over my dignity. Oh, don't say that, Zion. Oh, don't, don't, don't delve into that. But when we surrender, we're saying, I choose your glory. I choose your praise. I choose your worship. I, I choose to, to, to lift you up over the way that I am perceived. There is a price to pay in surrendering to God. And it usually begins with our comfort. If you want to hold on to your comfort, don't surrender to God. If you, want, if you want to live for Jesus, if you want to give your life for Him, if you want to live like He has called you to live, don't be comfortable or don't hold on to your comfort. I made that decision a long time ago that I said, God, I want to live for you. And if that's the expense of, of, of my own reputation, if that's the expense of getting up on a platform like this and making a fool of myself, I am willing to do it because it's not mine, it is yours. I give my life to you. We all want to protect our dignity. It reminds me of the story of David in 2 Samuel 6. And, and there was a woman, Michal, who was up, up on a... David had just returned from battle and just brought back the ark back to Jerusalem. And it was amazing. And people were celebrating. It was just such a good time. But then she was up there on the, on the balcony and looking down. And David was so happy, so glad, so full of joy, just, just so thankful for God. that he just wanted to give Him glory in every way that he could. And Mikhail, she looked down and says, what are you doing? You're making a disgrace of yourself. You are not acting like a king. You're not acting like a pastor, Zion. Oh, okay. Don't worry, I'm not going to, you know, run around, take my shirt off. Or oh, okay. Anyway. But listen to what he says in 2 Samuel 6.22. He says, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I'm not here to protect my reputation. I'm not going to be here and trying to look good in front of other people. I'm not going to do anything that's going to hold me back from giving my glory back to God. Amen. Our ego, our pride will always try and get in the way. But we need to make a decision that I'm going to surrender in spite of my comfort and what I want for myself. I was with, uh, I was with somebody earlier this week and they, and they said this to me, we can only go as high as we go low. We can only go as high as we go low. If you want a great relationship with God, if, if you want to experience Him in a new way, if you want a touch from heaven, if you want the Holy Spirit to just be permeating every part of your life, if you want to know Him and feel Him and hear His voice, if you want to go higher and higher and higher into the things of God, then go lower and go lower and go lower into the depths of surrender before your Saviour. You want to go higher, you go lower. Amen? N.T. Wright once said, Worship is love on its knees 
before the beloved. That's what worship is. Worship is love on its knees before our Saviour. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.